Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to talk about learning leadership lessons through adversity and how to tap into your firm yet kind side. My guest this time is Leila Tariff, Chief People Officer at Allbirds, a global footwear and apparel brand with roots in New Zealand and an HQ in beautiful San Francisco. Allbirds is on a mission to show the fashion industry why it needs to focus less on flash and more on thoughtfulness. After graduating with her MBA from the Haas School of Business at the University of California at Berkeley, Leila became one of the founding team members at Walmart.com. She then served as Chief People Officer at Pete Coffee and Tea, which is an iconic Bay Area premium coffee company. In addition to now being CPO at Allbirds, Leila is a trusted advisor to entrepreneurs and investors, a regular guest lecturer at Berkeley Law School, and most recently, she's the author of the April 2021 book, Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and in Life. And in her book, Leila shares her journey of awakening and transformation as a mother, as a woman, and as a leader. Leila, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Thank you, Bill. I'm really happy to be here. Okay, so let's get straight into it. And uh, I'm going to start with a quote from you. You're, You're quoted as saying, I have come to see that true power comes from connecting your head to your heart. For much of your career, Leila, you say that you struggle to balance courage and compassion, intensity and flexibility and being respected and being likable. Let's talk a bit about the the before and the after in your life, if you don't mind. Perhaps you could share a little bit about how a a series of three losses in your life led to to a change in you and then a change in the way that you lead. Absolutely. Thank you. So I entered business and the working world in the late 80s and throughout the 90s. And the type of leadership I experienced in the first half of my career was definitely very direct, focused on getting results, you know, even take no prisoners. And I really had no problem jumping into it and playing that part because I was wired similarly, just naturally. I had that mindset. Um, and I really just went into it head first. And then I started noticing pretty quickly, though, that you had to watch out not to get too spicy, as we say now, when uh, when I got worked up about something, because it seemed that when I got tough, it wasn't seen in the same way um, as, say, when a man did it. And the way I got around it was that I tempered my intensity with a little bit of humor. I was friendly, outgoing, and it wasn't a ruse. It wasn't like I was trying to be fake. That really was my personality. And I don't even think I was conscious at the time uh, that I was doing it, but it did help to soften my intensity for it to be a little more palatable and accepted. Um, and, And this went on for quite a while. Um, and and then um, in um, late 2007, I went through a very, very rough patch in my life. Um, this was in my first year at Pete's. I was really learning how to be a, a senior leader. And all of a sudden, my husband passed away tragically. And then my father had a stroke and died 18 months later. And then three years after that, my mother passed away as well. So pretty quickly, I found myself with a three-year-old daughter by myself, 
trying to you know manage this this big job feeling like an imposter and for the first time in my life I just couldn't muscle through what life had handed me and look to be honest I would have tried um I had that much ability to deny what I didn't want to deal with in life but I knew that I couldn't help my daughter heal from the loss of her father if I too didn't allow myself to grieve in a healthy way. So, you know, to your question, the before Layla was efficient and, and probably broke some glass along the way. And the after Layla, I would say I try to pay as much attention to the context as the content, to what's not being said as to what is, and, and really trying to make space for both, which I think has actually made me a better leader. And so I think now I'm able to make much deeper connections with people because they feel seen and heard in a way that before I think I wasn't able to do because I really wasn't focusing on them. I was focusing on the problem. And now I'm able to focus on, on both most of the time. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, you talk about unlocking buried emotions and integrating the parts of yourself that make you a, a better leader. Perhaps you can expand upon your previous answer, Leila, by expl explaining what you mean by that. Sure, sure. I mean, in a way, I found myself having to focus on being strong at work and then soft at home at the same time and trying to figure out how to be both without being two people disintegrated, which is really what put me on the path of transformational growth. I had to really question the narrative I held at that point, you know, the conscious one and, and harder, the unconscious one. So what limiting beliefs was I holding on to that were for preventing me from allowing myself to be both in both places, soft and strong at work and at home? And the losses that I experienced really became the catalyst for me to, to wake up. It forced me to really discover blind spots. And I had to take a good, long, hard look at myself um, and, and really think about who I wanted to be. Um, and so my, my defense mechanism, which I had honed over many, many years of reframing to the positive, you're just not looking at it the right way. Um, it served me in a lot of ways, but it prevented me from really feeling any sort of pain or adversity or suffering in my life. And when you don't allow yourself to do that, you're not able to do it for and with others. Um, and so when I, when I realized that, when I realized that, that, that compartmentalization that we all do, um, you can't do that emotionally. You can intellectually compartmentalize, but you, you can't do that emotionally. And the path to healing emotionally is to integrate and to bring back all those pieces of yourself that you sort of quietly tucked away over the years because oh, I just don't want to deal with that right now. That's just too heavy. I'm going to focus over here on what I can control. So um, that's, been, that's been my journey and, and what I write about in my book, Strong Like Water. In fact, the reason why I call it Strong Like Water is after a quote by Lao Tzu, the father of Taoism. He had written 81 verses, I think back in 600 BC, about the paradoxical nature of life. And one of them was called Be Like Water. And in it, he says, 
whatever is soft and yielding is always more powerful than whatever is hard and rigid. And so in this way, what is soft is strong. And that was, that was my learning as well. So allowing myself to really dive into the pain of not only those losses, which were intermingled with all the things in my life, I'd not allowed myself to feel and bring them into my consciousness, reintegrating them, allowing myself to feel the pain associated with them, ultimately is what gave me the greater capacity to sit with suffering, as I said, my own and others, so I could have greater empathy and compassion in the conversations I was having. Um, and, And the irony is I really thought that this would make me weak and ineffective and sort of sloppy and and too touchy-feely. And the irony in it all is the complete opposite happened. I just sort of infused my get-it-done orientation with a little, with a little more uh, humility, humanity, humor. And, uh, and, and I realized that is sort of the path for all of us. Okay, thank you. Now, lots of people are, are suffering from early or onset stress and anxiety and depression at the moment Leila as a result of of the pandemic and everything that's being thrown at employees right now what insights would you have to share with those people around how to use tragedy and and attrition and and turn that in turn that negative energy into something more powerful more positive and maybe as part of that answer you you can talk a bit about how some of some of the ways that leaders can be mindful of, of the extra baggage that many employees are carrying right now in their personal lives that the perhaps and a leader perhaps wouldn't necessarily be aware of. I mean, this is such a great and obviously timely question. <clears throat> this past year, I think has been a collective period of loss for the world. And what my personal journey of loss has taught me is that we, all of us at some point in our lives, experience some type of adversity and it comes in different shapes and sizes right but but no one gets a free lunch no one gets a free pass uh, as we've clearly seen this past year and the gift in any sort of adversity is that if we're able to be honest with ourselves and allow ourselves to experience it fully and by that what i mean is to not allow ourselves to deny what's happening to respin it to something more positive just to allow ourselves just to be in the muck (laughs) and then to realize that we made it through like it didn't kill me i allowed myself to feel really awful uh, and everything that comes with that and i made it through when we're able to do that we come out stronger more resilient more emotionally capable more adaptable so in a way, these tough times are like a boot camp for our emotional resonance. And and that's really the gift of tragedy. If we allow ourselves to experience it fully, it really does make us stronger. And I know that sounds cheesy and like a quote, but this is how emotions work. If we feel them, the energy works through us and then it dissolves. We process it thoroughly and it leaves us and we become stronger and more resilient. And if we don't, it gets stuck inside us and it makes us feel awful. And we, you know, you know, that dissonance you feel where you want to do one thing, but you kind of feel another, but you're not allowing yourself to feel it that way. And that makes us really emotionally brittle. And so I think right now, 
it's really important for leaders to check in personally with their employees before launching into the to-do list. You know, I, I, I talk about the head and the heart and the balance between them a lot in, in my work, in my life. Um, you know, just a quick, hey, how are you feeling? How are things at home, which is now work? And then moving into the agenda. And, and, I, and I try to remember to ask, what can I do? Which, you know, can feel heavy if your cup isn't full either. And what I've found actually by saying that is that others will say the same to me. Well, how can I help you? And just, just showing that support, I think this time has shown us that it's collectively together in community, how we're going to make our way out of this. And the most important thing is to recognize where your employees are, where people are, and to meet them where they are and not where you want them to be. That's been the big learning this year. I completely agree with what you just said there. Uh, when I was in my 20s, Leila, I, I, was, a, I was an emotional idiot. And uh, probably into my, early, <laughs> into my <laughs> early 30s as well. But then um, I, I took a couple of courses and it really helped me to learn how to be, for example, more present in the moment. And, and most importantly for me, uh, it, it, learned, it helped me learn uh, better ways to communicate and to be a better active listener. And, uh, and well, these are things now that I, I, I will wear as a badge of honor, you know, and, I'm, and I'll, I'll, shout, I'll shout about them to the rooftops. Whereas Bill in his 20s maybe would have been a little bit embarrassed about that, you know. And so I, I really, I really respect where you're coming from. Now, another area or another, another group that uh, you're very passionate about helping are, are women and, and women in uh, business leadership roles. And women are increasingly claiming leadership roles. Why do you advocate that they should seek to find a balance and, and lead, and, and I'm quoting you again here, and lead as a whole person with compassion and courage, intellect and empathy? First, I would just say that this more balanced approach to leadership, I think, is more effective for women and for men. And, and for those of us with um, the more feminine qualities of compassion and empathy and collaboration, for, for those that those qualities come more easily, it's a wonderful time to be a leader because we need those leadership qualities now in spades. For women and for men who naturally embrace these qualities, I think it's a time that gives us a lot more permission to show up in that way. And, and the trick really is how we infuse both sides of the spectrum, as I said before, and knowing that being kind is not, not being effective. Um, and I, I remember, um, this is making me think, um, I remember a Harvard business uh, case study. A Stanford professor took this, this case study that was about a female um, venture capitalist named Heidi Rosen. And he split the class into two sections and he changed the name in for one section to Howard and the other class was taught Heidi. And all the other details of the case were exactly the same. And at the end, he asked both classes, hey, what do you think about Heidi and what's your impression of Howard? And he found something really, really interesting, which is both classes found both Howard and Heidi really competent. But they didn't like Heidi. <laughs> they, they, some even described her as being harsh. So 
same and, and the real case study was about Heidi. We just made up Howard. Howard was more likable. He was assertive and, and the kind of guy you wanted to hang out with. But Heidi, not so much, not so likable. And so I think what's interesting now is that the need in the world for these more feminine qualities is what we are all leaning into. Uh, and it's just sort of interesting how it's happening that way. And and I think there is more space for that today because it's needed. And I think it gives an opportunity for women, for a lot of women who feel quite comfortable being collaborative and open and empathetic. OK, wonderful. Thank you very much. Now, then, uh, you wrote you wrote your book uh, called Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and in Life. And I'd like to now uh, introduce a few of those themes to our audience. Now, you've spoken about the, some of these themes already in different ways. So perhaps perhaps with some of them, you want to only spend, I don't know, 30 or 60 seconds on them and others you perhaps like to expand upon quite a lot. But I've, I've chosen three of those key themes in your book. OK, so let's sure. uh, let's have a look at those together. Firstly, how you let go of your your hero persona, as you call it, and and how you became a better delegator and collaborator. Well, I think, you know, the hero persona is, you know, I can do it out of my way. I've got this here. Right. And it makes us feel really good to be the person who comes in and saves the day. And, and I and I don't mean to make fun of it because it, it is actually, you know, it serves us a lot in our lives. But when we hang on to it too tightly, we actually um, take away the opportunity for others to add value and to contribute as well. And so usually people with a hero persona are not very good delegators and they're not very cl good collaborators because they just want to do it all themselves. <clears throat> and, and I remember taking a class in business school <clears throat> where the uh, the instructor said, um, before you say something, ask yourself, will this increase their level of motivation? And if it doesn't, then don't say it. Because in the if it doesn't, then it's really for you, not for them. <clears throat> it's for you to feel great about yourself that you can do it. <clears throat> and that was such an interesting, that really, this, this was over... 10, 12 years ago, and I, it still sticks in my mind. I love um, that. Great, great right? advice. I love that. <clears throat> um, and so when you let go of your hero persona is you make space for others to come in and there's an opportunity to really collaborate. Sorry, listeners, I don't usually jump in when, when one of my guests is giving an answer. I just really loved it. I, I, thought, I thought it was, <laughs> it was great advice. So <laughs> It's a good one, right? <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, it is. It is. Basically, you know, if you don't have anything useful to say, don't, don't say it. Um, well, and when I first heard it, it was a little embarrassing. And it, it was interesting because he said, oh, you know, it wasn't an instructor. It was Marshall Goldsmith, the coach. And this was after I graduated. He looked around and he's an older man. He said, oh, look at you, freshly minted MBAs. You're just dying to, to make an impact, aren't you? <laughs> and we all sort of <laughs> sheepishly looked down. And, and that's when he said, um, you know, ask yourself if what you're going to say is going to motivate them. And it just put such a fine point on the fact that we all were so focused on ourselves. How do I get ahead? How do I add value? <laughs> when the, the more senior you get, the more you move into leadership positions, it's not about you. It's about them. 
It's about how do you make others shine? And that is the biggest shift as you grow in your career, because the first half of your career, you're trying to prove yourself so you can have the opportunity to get into a leadership role. When you get into a leadership role, it's no longer about you, right? It's servant leadership. It's how do you raise others? That is the role of a leader. Now, let's let's look a little bit at the, the importance of leading others from from a place of strength and from love. OK, so you're you're all about combining these two these two different areas. Why, why do you take pride in, in being described as firm yet kind? I mean, I, I think I've got a good insight into why it's important to have a high EQ and why why uh, you are very um, focused on showing your true self and being authentic. But, but why do you have to mix that with still being firm? Well, because like everything in life, there's there is the yin and the yang. <clears throat> and it's much easier to go to one side versus trying to blend the two. Um, I, I think the, the magic is in the alchemy in figuring out for yourself how to bring the two together. So if I'm firm and I'm firm all the time and I'm driving for results all the time, I might actually get um, a, a lot accomplished uh, and achieve a lot. But um, as I like to say, but I've probably left a trail of dead bodies behind me <laughs> and it's not very sustainable. So on the other hand, if you're really kind and loving and giving uh, and you don't have any sort of agency uh, that goes with that, then not a lot gets done. And that's OK if you're on vacation. <laughs> but if you're in business and you're trying to and you have goals and you're trying to accomplish things, you need to be able to inspire and, and lead others and get things done yourself. And so it is the combination of those two things, whatever it looks like for you, being able to be focused on driving for results while at the same time creating the conditions for people to do good work by, by listening, by seeing them, by carrying the sometimes difficult message, but doing it in a way that you're not disconnecting from them emotionally, that you're able to sit down and say, hey, Bill, um, I saw what you did over there. That didn't work. And let me tell you why. And just and being able to sit with the uncomfortableness of that kind of conversation allows it to land and not and not say it in a way that makes the person feel like um, you're no longer interested in them because they, they've done this thing wrong. It, it's it's so much like parenting. I don't know how many, if you're a parent, but you, when your child does something wrong, you let them know, but you don't stop loving them in that moment. You stay connected to them. You understand? Okay, great. Let's keep moving. And that's why I think the two together, they have to go together. I am a parent um, and I, I do I do get where you're coming from. I'm also a millennial and uh, we haven't had that conversation today. But, <laughs> oh, there's but, so um, much to say there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, listeners, we're going to leave that unsaid and we're going to continue <laughs> on. <laughs> in, the in, next instead, podcast. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, in, instead, let's just focus on one, one other lesson within your book, and that's uh, giving oneself permission to be vulnerable and how that can increase one's ability to connect and, and empower others. I, I, wonder, I wonder if you can think of any recent examples from, uh, from your day-to-day -day Sure, if, all if, birds. If yeah, absolutely. And 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 any examples there in, in terms of either you or perhaps you've seen this in, in other colleagues where where they've they've allowed themselves to to be opened up a wee bit, to be more authentic and and some of the benefits of, of doing that. 
I have a really good example. Um, <clears throat> this past year, on top of everything else that we've all been dealing with, the global pandemic and social unrest and political divisiveness, we unfortunately last summer had one of our employees uh, pass away tragically. It was a terrible accident um, in the city. And he was young. He was one of our store employees in his early 20s. And it really, just on top of everything else, just rocked us all to the core. And I had actually been speaking, believe it or not, with a woman who um, had also lost her husband and I had been connected with her and she started a company really focused on helping companies grieve, which, you know, grief is such a heavy word. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that is so brave. And and I had already started speaking with her. So when Andrew uh, passed away, I asked her to come in and do a, a session with us just to allow us to come together and talk about this tragedy that had happened. And I have to be honest, I was I was a little nervous doing that because, you know, I was asking people to come at a very raw time and be vulnerable. And um, it was amazing. This was on Zoom. Probably a quarter of our uh, employees came. It was this was optional. They all came from from the CEOs all the way down. And the session started. It was a little awkward, right? She's talking about very, very personal things. And then very quickly, she started asking people how they were feeling and what they were dealing with and put it into the chat in Zoom. And and all of a sudden, the floodgates just opened. People started putting in, my father has cancer and I'm, and I'm worried about him. I'm actually at my sister-in-law's memorial service right now. So much vulnerability, so much honesty. It was so beautiful. I actually shared my personal story, even a few tears. I would not have expected that. And it's like and we all came together and were able to hold this space People still talk about it. It was so raw and so, so honest um, because we allowed ourselves to be vulnerable and held each other in that space. I went on to hire her to do a, a series of trainings that really is just training on how to feel, how to recognize what you're feeling, because sometimes we don't know, right, because we tuck them away so quickly, how to respect your feelings, how to reconnect from a more feeling place. Uh, it, it was it, it was it's one of the things I'm most proud of that that we've done this last year. OK, and you're not going to believe this, Leila, but we are coming towards the end of this interview Aww. already. You're such uh, a good but, interviewer. Well, you're such a good interviewee. We should do it again <laughs> very, very soon. But uh, for, for now, how can our listeners connect with you personally? So whether that's through your email address, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, sure. I believe that you're all over Instagram. And also, how can they get a copy of your new book? Well, my book is available for pre-order now on Amazon and other online retailers, and it'll be in bookstores on April 13th. And if you want to learn more about me or get in touch, you can go on my website, uh, which is LaylaTaraf.com or on Instagram, um, or LinkedIn. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Leila, thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you so much, Bill. It was great to be here. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working and please do continue to stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 